all you secret princesses and alpha dukes, and welcome to episode 10 of A Bookish Affair, where we two Shannons will be your fellow travelers through the world of happily ever after. I'm Shannon, she's Shandy, and we love romance. We are the co-founders of the Lake Oswego Public Library's first genre book club, A Bookish Affair. We read and discuss diverse, inclusive love stories every second Sunday of the month at the library when it's open and on WebEx for the foreseeable future. If you are interested in joining a virtual discussion group on WebEx, if you have feedback or suggestions on the club or the podcast, or you just want to say hi, please email us at ssadel at lakeoswego.city or sdickinson at lakeoswego.city. If you're confused about how to spell our names, that will be in the show notes. Um, More information about the book club is also available on LOPL.org. Just go to books and more from the main menu and then scroll down to discussion groups. So you can find our email addresses there and I will link to all of this stuff in the show notes as well. We would like to begin by acknowledging the ancestral, traditional, and unceded territory of the Kalapuya, Cowlitz, and Clackamas peoples on which we live, work, and record this podcast. All right. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Sorry to anybody who was, uh, you know, hoping to get a, a new podcast on today, Tuesday, because it's going to it's going to be Wednesday. And I apologize for that. But it's because I'm on vacation. So greetings from Malibu Lake Yay. in lovely southern, su- su- sunny, <laughs> sunny southern California. Um, I considered recording this podcast from the hammock. Or perhaps puttering out to the middle of the lake in the party boat and recording there. But I thought it might be a little bit too much in the way of background noise, um, you know, from the herons that live at the lake. Or the folks zooming by on their way to the biker bar, which I'm honestly not sure is even open. Um, So here I am. I am ensconced in Joe's old bedroom at the cabin. Uh, This house has been in my husband's family for 75 years. Um, And it has a lot of... It's very important in my sort of personal romance history. Um, Joe and I came here on one of our very, very first dates. Um, And this was where we were when we first said, I love you to each other. And then he took me to In-N-Out for the first time. And I mean, that was magical. Like, you know, I, I knew pretty much the first time I saw him that I was going to marry him. But this just really cemented the deal. We were like, <laughs> we went wine tasting and solving. And then we were like, oh, let's go for a fancy dinner. And then Joe said, we're driving through Santa Barbara on our way back. And he says, do you want to just go to In-N-Out? And I'd never been to In-N-Out, but I knew that I wanted to go. <laughs> so, I, so he says, do you just want to go to In-N-Out? And I said, yes, yes I really, really do. And that was, you know, uh, I just knew. I just knew. <laughs> so- <laughs> In-N-Out features in everyone's best love stories. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we got married here at the lake. Um, we squeezed 11 people into this thousand square foot cabin the night before the wedding. And that is no small feat. Um, you know, we brought Claire here for the first time when she was four months old, which is about the age Joe was when he first came here for the first time in 1979. So, uh, yeah, so it's just a, a really important place in that sort of uh in that sort of history of, of my, of my romance. And so I'm pretty excited to be podcasting from here. Um, and of course it's proximity to the ripped bodice does not hurt at all. Um, and I hope to have more to say on that subject in next week's episode. 
So, Shannon, how are things in Portland this week? Well, not as relaxing as your hammock, it sounds like. <laughs> um, by the way, thank you so much for sharing your own love story with us, especially as it pertains to the cabin. It really sounds like um, that the cabin and the lake is a very special place. And from as I've seen, it looks incredibly picturesque and serene. So basically a perfect vacation spot to seek rest and rejuvenation. So, so you're here and thank you for sharing that with us. Well, thank you for listening to me ramble about my own uh, my own HEA. And also thank you for, you know, not asking me to stop sending you pictures of the cabin and the lake. Because <laughs> I've sent you quite a few. <laughs> I, I'm living vicariously through you, uh, to be honest. So keep them coming. I love it. Yay. <laughs> so good. All right. So let's do a little explorer troping. Ding. <laughs> I still have not come up with our little, uh, you know, our, our little theme theme ding for Explorer Trope, but here we go. Um, so we do occasionally get requests from our listeners to talk about particular aspects of the genre or tropes or themes or types of characters we'd like to see more of, so on and so forth. Um, and may I just say that we would love to get more requests. So please don't be shy. We will do our very best to address just about any request or question you may have on this podcast so just yeah. start pulling them out and we are ready we are bracing ourselves for all of your questions suggestions etc so in today's explorer trope we're finally throwing a bone to our podcast super fan evie who has been I asking me <laughs> she has been t- asking me to talk about princesses since episode one um and actually longer um this is an ongoing conversation uh, over the last 20 years of our lives, pretty much. But she did not hesitate to remind me that we actually somehow left Royals out of our massive trope list in episode eight entirely. We didn't mention Royals at all. Um, so let the record show that secret royalty, runaway royalty, or I didn't know I was royalty, those are all classic romance tropes that get a ton of play. Let's let's give it its due. Let's give those princesses their due. Um, so so yeah so we're gonna um we're gonna talk a little bit about the tropes and sort of sub tropes associated with princesses and royalty and maybe then segue into talking a little bit about the princesses themselves in that they're far more likely to save themselves than they were a few decades ago and you know that's a progression that you can see in romance but also in say you know the disney princesses who are for better and worse so prevalent in our culture um so Okay, so let's talk about some of these these princess tropes and subtropes. Um, and and you know, I, I should say that this, uh, you know, this can also apply to a prince or to a member of the nobility or a king or queen or whatever. We're just kind of we're just kind of embracing princesses here. So, um, okay, so first one, uh, the whole trope where I'm a princess or a member of the nobility or some other royal person, but I didn't know it. I just thought I was a regular person and it turns out I'm a royal so that's a big trope um one of our our in fact our very very first book club pick dealt with this very trope um that is a princess 
Yes, by Alyssa Cole. Um, and that one features uh, a young woman who um, doesn't really remember. She, she's been orphaned. She doesn't really remember her parents. She's sort of come up through the foster system. And she is, um, she is now uh, a scientist. And she's working in New York City. And, and you know, she has, she has her life as a regular person. And then a prince shows up. And he's like, didn't you know that your parents ran away from our our fictional African country, um, you know, due to, oh, due to some things that were going on uh, in, in, in the royal family and such. Um, but, you know, so this prince shows up and he says, you know, I, I am your betrothed. We've been betrothed since we were children. Um, so you're kind of secretly a princess. Um, and then her mind is blown. So. <laughs> um, and another one uh, that also sort of deals with this, uh, Shannon has read more recently than I, which is the second one in this series, A Duke by Default. Yes. And that one, oh my goodness, see me with names. Tavish. Tavish. Tavish, a sword maker. <laughs> He doesn't, he's just, he doesn't realize, he doesn't know that he's part of the nobility until Portia, um, his socialite apprentice, um, discovers a photograph that reveals all. So that one is like, I didn't know. And now he knows. And then he decides to go for it. And there are all these interesting, yeah, I think that's a, this can be a really interesting trope because it, it deals with, you know, I, I found out that I am, I am something other than what I, I thought I was. And I am still the same person, but I have all these new responsibilities. And so do I have, you know, is this something that I can leave behind or that I want to leave behind? Or do I want to embrace this role that apparently is, is now mine? And, and, and do what I can with it. So, you know, Naledi in, um, in Princess in Theory does end up going, um, uh, go going back to her home country. And, you know, she, she uses her, she actually uses her scientific knowledge um, to deal with what they think is, uh, is an infectious disease epidemic. And of course it turns out to be something far more sinister if you can imagine that. Um, but you know, she's, she's bringing the knowledge, uh, and, and the, um, you know, the person that she has, the person that she's made herself, she's bringing that to, to this role, uh, as, as, and as now a leader of the country. So that's, that's really interesting. You know, like what, how does that, mm -hmm. that time that you spent, um, being a regular person, how does that then affect what you do as a royal or as a noble or as a person with, you know, with this new power. So I don't, that's kind of, that's kind of a fun trope. Um, there's also a really fun trope. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I'm a secret prince, princess, duke, whatever. And this is really awkward because I lied to you about it. I just pretended to be a commoner, but now, now I have to explain that really. I just wanted to pretend to be normal for a few days or I wanted you to, get to know me for who I really am rather than just seeing my crown, if you will. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty darn 
common trope. And you actually, that actually comes up in Princess in Theory as well, because um, the Bezo, the prince, when he finds Naledi to to let her know that she is, in fact, uh, his betrothed and a future princess and all that, he does masquerade as a commoner for a few days, um, both to escape from, you know, the grind of, of just being a prince and always having to be on and always having to, you know, be responsible for things. He just wants to be like a regular guy wooing a regular girl for a while. And so he pretends to be just a regular guy wooing a regular girl. And then of course he finds out in the most public and sort of humiliating way possible. And it's a real, it's a real moment in their relationship. They really, they really have to reckon with it. And that, you know, and that, that comes with this trope, that moment where, um, where the protagonists have, where one of them has to say, I lied to you. And the other one has to decide what they're going to do about it. That is, that is a serious, that is a serious relationship roadblock right there. So um, definitely creates some really interesting conflict um, in romance. Um, I'm reading, I'm reading one right now. Um, it's called His Defiant Princess, and it's part of a series uh, that is about the princesses of a of another fictional African country. Um, and the series is interesting because it's written by three different authors. So this one, His Defiant Princess, the author is Nana Pra. Um, she's from Ghana. And so she, um, in, in this book, which is the first in the series, uh, Princess Amira, uh, of the fictional country Bagumi and um, this American dentist, just handsome American dentist named Jake. They meet online and they, uh, you know, they they sort of fall passionately in love and talk to each other about everything and, um, you know, all this sort of virtually. He decides to come to her kingdom to meet her. But then he has this really awkward meeting where she introduces him to her very protective older brothers, the princes. And that is when Jake learns that Amira is a princess. She kind of, you know, she did that thing where she wanted him to get to know her for the real her first. And she just wasn't sure then when to reveal the truth. So he finds out in this pretty awkward way, right in front of her brothers in this, in this already very awkward meeting. Um, Yeah. So there's, you know, there, there's that moment, Uh, (laughs) you know, they have to deal with that and that's a novella. So I will say that they've gotten past the whole I lied to you about being a princess thing at, at this point. And, you know, they're, they're kind of moving on now then to uh, to another subtrope, which is like I I am I'm required to be involved in a political marriage and I now have to decide between true love and my country. Um, so we'll talk about that in a moment. But anyway, I guess I'm kind of noticing as I'm talking about this that I uh, that some of these a lot of these books have multiple sort of versions of that trope so um you know under the princess umbrella if you will um let's see oh one more that i haven't read yet but it's by talia hibbert whom we love so definitely that's that's going to be a priority um a young woman who has a fling with a man who turns out to be a prince and then you know she finds out he's a prince and then they decide to do the whole fake fiance thing a sort of fake relationship with an element of royalty anyway i think this goes back to just you know from our original trope conversation is that there's usually multiple tropes and because each trope offers a different juncture in that sort of like um exploration that emotional exploration between the two 
are two people and is it going to work? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So true. I mean, tropes can be used so masterfully to, uh, you know, to move the story forward, to reveal things about the characters. Um, You know, you would think, you would think they get formulaic, but, but romance authors are so clever and, and, and just use them in these really magical ways. So tropes. Love them. Um, Okay. So here's another princess trope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Once yeah. I got going, I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, there's so many that are associated with this. There's the, um, you know, A, I'm tired of being a prince, princess, duke, whatever, and I'm running away. Uh, or I'm in hiding among the regular folks for some other reason. So um, Alyssa Cole's upcoming series opener, How to Catch a Queen, which is part of her Runaway Royals series, which, you know, that title tells you what what trope um we're dealing with there um that is that is a situation where there's been an arranged marriage the um the king and queen are actually very uh very very attracted to each other and are are you know sort of forming a strong relationship but then something happens and i don't know what that something is yet because the book isn't out uh, <laughs> something happens and she you know and she and she runs away um and kind of goes into hiding and he has to find her. So um, there's a new one coming out by Kate Bateman, which I also haven't read. Um, that is called The Princess and the Rogue. And I just think that is a delightful title and I am looking forward to reading that book. So that one has a Russian princess in hiding because a traitor is after her. Um, so there's that. And I, I, I thought that was really interesting because it sort of echoes that, um, that public fascination with the notion that uh, you know that Grand Duchess Anastasia survived her family's execution, and and lived. You know, went to live on many many years at, as a commoner. So that sort of you know that hoax that really captured the imagination of the public. Um, I thought that was a really interesting reference there, and also that just took me down a really interesting rabbit hole about hemophilia in the uh, in the European royal family tree. Um, so <laughs> anyway, romance can lead you to interesting things. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. So one more, no, not one more, two more. <laughs> nice try, Shandy. Um, there's also, as I mentioned, this sort of arranged marriage or politically motivated marriage where um, the princess character in a lot of these uh, has to, has to decide between um, between following her heart or doing what she's what she either believes or has been told is the best for her country. So um, there's another one in that series, um, the same series as his defiant princess that's called his inherited princess. Um, and that's by MP Barrier. Um, and then there's another one called his captive princess um, by uh, Kiro Taie. And those are, those both kind of deal with that arranged marriage, politically motivated marriage situation in different ways. Those are ones that I have not read yet, but will be picking up as soon as I finish. The first one in the series. I don't know. Can you think of any other arranged marriage ones I'm missing? Um, n- n- no. <laughs> not, not for royalty. <laughs> like, I just can't think of right this second. <laughs> I've, you know, I've read a couple of uh, Indian American, and they talk about arranged marriages, but that is not royal, and that is not on this trope. So. 
that yes and i think that that sort of that that is also a very interesting trope that i think you're seeing a lot more of um in in romance and that i think is a conversation probably for another day so we will return to the arranged or politically motivated marriage or the marriage where your parents are like no this is the person for you and then maybe you actually just go ahead and fall in love with that person um that kind of thing so all right, so that's a that's another that's another trope to explore on another day. Um, okay, but also let's talk about uh, let's talk about Rebecca Weatherspoon because <laughs> when do we not? Um, there's also this sort of subgenre of fairy tale inspired romances, and yeah. Rebecca Weatherspoon has a couple of uh, of really wonderful ones um, that are just out this year. So, um, so her Cowboys of California series follows the adventures of three, you know, devastatingly handsome brothers. Um, and they are, their family owns a ranch in the small town of Charming, California. So of course they are in fact known as the Princes of Charming. <laughs> Just so great. So, I mean, these are men who are like, they're, they are they are true gentlemen who have been raised by their grandmother to, uh, you know, to take off their hats as soon as they come inside and, uh, you know, open open a door for a lady or pull out her chair or you know they're just they're just you know they're just sort of true gentlemen but they also have these very interesting um, career you know they they run a luxury ranch and so they're spending all their time you know dealing with, uh, you know horses that need uh that need a lot of attention or guests that need a lot of attention and so um you know this is a it's sort of a a business empire that their family has really built um and that they they have inherited and that they take very very seriously so it's really cool to see that um um you know just sort of how their work and lives are intertwined in that way this is a shanjin i should be talking about the fairy tale aspect but anyway that okay so that's that's cowboys of california the first one is called A Cowboy to Remember, and it is a modern take on Sleeping Beauty, but it doesn't have that whole, you know, the only person who can save you from eternal sleep is a man you've barely met who will kiss you even though you're unconscious, so he's unable to ask if he can kiss you, that kind of situation. <laughs> Fortunately, uh, it's, uh, uh, it, it deals with those fairy tale aspects in a, a more palatable way for a modern audience. So, um, so in that one, the heroine is pushed down a flight of stairs by an evil, an evil villain who does not appreciate her success as a, um, as a famous chef. And, uh, and so the heroine, Evie, has amnesia following this traumatic brain injury. She can't remember anything except for these vague fleeting memories that are connected to her first love, Zach Pleasant, who is one of the Princess of Charming. So it's not a magical kiss that awakens her from sleep, but she feels she ends up going to the ranch to recover and recuperate with the family, even though she doesn't really remember them. And But as she and Zach explore you know, what's between them, she remembers more and more eventually she remembers everything so her memory does come back and and then there's this you know there there's this next piece where they have to figure out where they are going forward um so that's you know it's so funny i feel uh super dense and or i don't know my fairy tales very well because i honestly didn't draw that connection between sleeping beauty 
and Evie's amnesia. I really liked um, A Cowboy to Remember. I and, 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 and actually, like, even with The Princes of Charming, that did not faze <laughs> me. So, I mean, how could I not be influenced by fairy tales, you know, because I just didn't draw that parallel. And, you know, hearing you talk about it, even seeing it in the script, it totally makes sense. And now I can see it. And now that the connection has been made, like, I can't unsee it. But... It's so interesting because either Rebecca Witherspoon is just so freaking good or I really don't know my fairy tales and I'm probably <laughs> going to go with both. <laughs> no, I'm totally going to go with Rebecca Witherspoon as such a genius because she does it so skillfully that they, like, and, and, you know, you, I picked up this book knowing it was supposed to be a Sleeping Beauty book, um, but the fairy tale elements don't hit you over the head. I didn't even really think about them until I'd finished the book and was thinking back and was starting to gather my thoughts about it to talk about it on here. Um, so, so yeah, she does not bludgeon you over the head with those. And it's, it's really very nice and refreshing. You know, she's taken that sort of source material and she's just done something with it. That's just completely her own. Um, and yeah, you know, like, like we say on pretty much every episode, she's just, she's just amazing and a genius. And I, I like that book a lot. Um, but I have to say that the next volume in the series is a complete knockout. It just it just blew me away. I stayed up until one a.m. finishing it, um, and that is I should I should say that that is not out yet. I have an arc from NetGalley, and I feel very lucky to have that arc from NetGalley. So this one is a Cinderella story, and it's called If the Boot Fits, which is another wonderful title. <laughs> so in this one, Sam Pleasant, who is the baby of the family, um, in in the the Princess of Charming. He has, uh, he has followed in his father's and grandmother's footsteps, and both of them are, are well-known actors, especially his, um, his grandmother, uh, Miss Leona Lovell, is, is uh, in, in these books. She is, you know, the, one of the greatest actresses of her generation and somebody that, uh, that is very, is so respected and so looked up to. Um, you know, the heroine in this book just completely loses her mind when she realizes she's going to meet Leona Lovell. It's very cool. And she's just a delightful character, too. She's very, uh, very forthright and sassy and an amazing cook. And she's, uh, you know, she's just raised these these wonderful people. And and again, this is like this is Rebecca Weatherspoon to a T. She does the supporting characters so well. And yeah. I, I would love to read a whole book about Miss Leona, but here I go on the change and again. So, so Sam Pleasant has decided to become an actor and he's followed in his, in his family's footsteps and he's just won his first Academy Award. But all he can think about is this beautiful woman who he met at an after party, came home with him to his hotel, had a very romantic evening, but she was gone when he awoke and he never even got her real name. Um, but she's actually, she accidentally leaves with his Oscar statue. Um, so she gets that back to him and it could, it could end, it could end there, but of course it doesn't. So Amanda McQueen is that mysterious woman and she is the personal assistant to a very unhappy TV star. You know, she, she came to Hollywood because she wanted to be a writer, but those dreams are on hold. Um, so she, you know, she, she's at kind of a crossroads in her life and, she has this lovely night with a famous actor and she doesn't ever expect to see him again. But as it turns out, 
her best friend's wedding is being held at none other than Big Rock Ranch, owned by the Pleasant family. So, oh, they were thrown back together. So delightful. And here's a tangent, but I think it's an important one. Um, This might seem like a small thing to some people, but I really just want to say how awesome it is that not only do we have a plus size heroine here, but that Rebecca Weatherspoon is, is actually very specific about her size. So there's a moment when she says that she, to that, to that Oscar after party, she had, uh, she had found a size 20 sparkly sequin romper from forever 21. And that's what she wore to that ask that after party. And I was sold from that moment. You know, there's getting to be more room for curvy or plus size heroines in romance fiction, but it's so rare even so, that somebody gives us a size or a weight so that we can picture the woman as she might actually look. You know, if she's a size 12, tell us. If she's a size 40, definitely tell us. Good grief, we all want to see ourselves in romance. And I loved Amanda's confidence. She knows exactly how gorgeous she is and, and that her curves are part of that gorgeousness. And she never, never falters that in that knowledge, even when inevitably, because she's dating a famous actor, mean people on the internet are trying to body shame her. So, oh man, there's so much to love about this book. The villain is just pure, pure mean girl evil. Um, She's an actress named Drew Anastasia, whose poisonous ways are very, very much a product of the neglect and criticism of her mother, who doesn't really appear in the story, but, you know, just except in this way that she sort of hangs over her. Um, So the, the name Drew Anastasia was nagging at me throughout the whole book until I finally realized it's an obvious Cinderella reference because the stepsisters in the Disney cartoon are Drizella and Anastasia. And this is a little bit less obvious, so I might just be, you know, going out on a limb here. But if I remember correctly, the villain in A Cowboy Can Remember is named Melanie, which maybe could be a nod toward the name Maleficent, the villain in Sleeping Disney Sleeping Beauty. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> that is some like serious sleuthing there. I, I that totally that totally makes sense to me. Uh, what else is going on in If the Boot Fits? Okay, so okay, so let's talk about some of these, um, you know, these fairy tale aspects, which again don't hit you over the head. Um, we've got the accidental offer Oscar theft, which happens because she mixes up their Oscar party swag bags. So you've got the item left behind in the manner of the glass slipper in Cinderella. There's the obvious parallel of you know the overworked, put upon, emotionally abused personal assistant to a tv actress um and you know and then she's swept off her feet by hollywood royalty so it's this notion of you know poor cinderella was a drudge and her stepsisters and stepmother just made her they they weren't kind they made her do all kinds of uh of unpleasant work and were and were cruel to her so uh until of course a prince comes along so you've got those parallels but a lot of that didn't hit me over the head while i was reading it it's only in thinking about it later that I was able to identify and sort of tease out a lot of those fairy tale aspects. So, ah, it's just, it's so masterful. Oh my gosh. So, okay. So I guess, you know, sort of segueing into, uh, you know, the princess in culture, um, you know, the princess figures in these stories are not helpless beings who are being saved by a dashing handsome prince. The hero doesn't save them, but they're, their willingness to open their hearts to love and to being cared for does save them. I, does that make sense? And I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but uh, but yeah. But what are what are your thoughts on that? I, mean, I like that. I mean, more than 
who, you know, more than a two question, it really is through that emotional journey that we're redeemed or saved. Um, you know, I don't clear that I really don't know my uh, princess stories. Uh, <laughs> and uh, what I've read recently, such as Alyssa Cole's Reluctant Royal series, I prefer the recent characters, such as um, Naya and Johan in A Prince on Paper. Being a royal just sounds like way too much work. Uh, there's so much protocol. There's a lot of scrutiny. Um, there's a lot of responsibility. And I also grew up at a time when Disney princes were more about being taken being taken or being taken care of so much so that I started looking elsewhere for my rep for representation for how I wanted to be in this world. So that said, I'm really, really enjoying this reworking and revisioning of this trope. You know, it's like, I think of even the, the, the new uh, Disney uh, live action version of Mulan and knowing, uh, you know, and then thinking about, you know, uh, the princes of charming. It's just, I love, I'm really enjoying these stories reimagined and retold in a different way. And as we're talking about it here, I'm also learning to think about the stories in a different way. Um, so, you know, maybe I, I have a lot to learn. So maybe I should, uh, might be warming up to this trope. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, uh, you know, that's a really good point. I think Disney princesses have come a long way since we were kids. Um, I, okay, so I am the mother of a six-year-old and I have not actually seen either Frozen movie. So I know that makes me an, a, a real anomaly um, among, <laughs> among those, uh, uh, among those who have, who have children of, of my child's age. But I from my understanding, the primary relationship there, uh, the primary interpersonal relationship there is the one between the two sisters rather than being um, the romantic relationship. And I do believe there are romantic relationships involved, but, but the sisterhood is kind of the most important. And speaking of lack of romantic relationships, I will happily fight anyone who does not think that Moana is the best Disney heroine ever. There was a time in our lives when we watched Moana every day and Claire is now tired of Moana, but Joe and I, we probably ask once a week. We practically beg her to let us watch Moana, and she's like, "No." So, <laughs> it's very cruel. <laughs> but I love. Well, there's so many things I love about that movie, and I could go on. But um, I love how that that film balances responsibility to your family and to your community with the desire of your own heart, and how how the character of Moana has to break away from what she's always known in order to save the world that she's always known. And also there's just zero romance. It's never an issue. She is, and she says it like, she says it in the movie, you know, Maui calls her a princess and she says, I'm not a princess. I am the daughter of the chief. And <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, so, so, you know, she is, she is something different from your sort of classic, uh, your classic Disney princess. And and I just love that there was no, and, which is funny to say because I read romance. I, I want to read love stories. But 
but I think in these in these films, you know, we're talking about very young women um, who are finding themselves. Um, you know, so Moana is supposed to be 16. I don't want her to go searching for a romantic partner or for one to fall in her lap. She's like, this is a time when she needs to be finding herself and, you know, and reckoning with the kind of leader that she's going to be and, and, and her place in her family and in her community and her culture. And um, yeah, I just, I, I don't need to see her love story. Like show me her love story in 15 years after she's already been the chief for a long time and and done a ton of good for her community and also you know been a been a wayfinder and discovered many islands that your love story defines who you are and i think what we're seeing in romance in modern love stories in in reality as our romantic relationships have the opportunity to make us better people, but they don't define us. They allow us to move through our emotional, um, for worse, um, easier, hard. They don't define us as like this, you this person because you, you love this person. Like you, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm not really making a lot of sense, but you know, I think a lot of this old thinking was that a woman was defined by the, you know, the men in her life, uh, defined by her romantic relationship. She gets to define how what it means to her and how she can be within that. Yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> that was very well said. <laughs> I think that totally makes sense oh it's so wow there's thank you evie for making us talk about this because we're yeah, actually, thank you <laughs> causing us to think about a lot of stuff we have, have a lot of catching up to do so shannon do you actually have a favorite uh disney or otherwise princess or heroine maybe somebody else from uh from you know film or literature that you uh that was like a childhood favorite or anything no, um, <laughs> no. I have really enjoyed Moana. I'm really looking forward to seeing. I've never actually seen Mulan before. Me neither. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the updated version on that. Um, it, I was thinking about um, Snow White. I always loved the dwarves. I didn't yeah. really care about Snow White herself. Like so, I just I. I don't know. Like it just hasn't quite featured in in the forefront of my daily thought and life. So I do feel like I want to revisit this because I feel like there's something there. Uh, there's clearly something there. So you know, I'm I, I have a lot of catching up to do. Well, and you know, I, I think that also makes a lot of sense. I mean, Snow White spends most of the movie asleep. Uh, she has very little agency. The dwarves do stuff. So no wonder you liked the dwarves. <laughs> and, you know, as as the years, we've come a long way since Disney's Snow White and and princesses and heroines and daughters of the chief are 
are really taking their lives into their own hands. And that is, that is something I'm so relieved as, as the mother of, of a daughter. And I'm, I'm so relieved to be seeing those characters now, but I can absolutely see why you wouldn't have responded to, <laughs> you know, those sort of old school princesses. Oh, anyway. Wow. Okay. So princesses, that was, I know that, that brought up a lot of stuff. It did. there's a lot lot to excavate there there is who knew (laughs) who knew it's almost like it's almost like uh like we we came to romance because it has a lot to offer and to make us think about (laughs) (sighs) i mean what does your t-shirt say smart women read romance Art girls read romance. Ah. It's true. <laughs> oh, so thank you for coming along with us while we while we think and ramble about uh, about all these things. So, okay, um, it's time now for the portion where we talk about what we're reading now and next and recently. And Shannon, I would like to hear about what you are reading now. Currently reading Olivia Dade's Forty Love. It is an ebook. I'm reading it on my phone. Yes. I'm practicing for when I get my secret baby challenge ebook. Um, <laughs> Morning Love is about an assistant principal at a Virginia high school, Tess Dunn. She's on vacation with her BFF to celebrate her 40th birthday. Uh, while there, she has a swimming suit mishap <laughs> and a younger heartthrob, Lucas is there to assist. Turns out he's a former pro tennis player turned tennis instructor at the Tropical Resort. And her BFS slightly signs Tess up for private lessons. So let the ride begin. Will their chemistry be a one-shot wonder or are they meant to be devil's partners for life? Uh, <laughs> there's so many tennis puns. So many tennis puns. Uh, so many, lots of other euphemisms. Um, I'm really enjoying this, actually. <laughs> I'm very excited to pick this one up, too, because I love a pun. I love a plus-size heroine. And uh, I love a heroine who just turned 40, because I just turned 40. So, um, you know, those 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 ancient 40-year-olds in romance are kind of few and far between. So what if you it? end up liking this one... Um, I recommend another Olivia Dade book, um, which is Desire and the Deep Blue Sea. That is a fake relationship, island getaway, coworker romance, and the coworkers are librarians. And I think you oh. really like it. Oh, yeah. wow. So there's a recommendation for you. Um, I'm also thrilled that you have joined me on the dark side, the dark side being the place where we read on our phones. Um, <laughs> but once again, I digress. Uh, what else are you reading on your phone or otherwise? Well... I, I don't like reading on my computer, so I figured my phone is the next best best thing until I get an e-reader. Yes. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I do feel like there should be more 40-plus heroines. Um, yes. I think that there should be more stories about, about kind of older or more mature, about women who have been through things, you know? It just is another layer of that emotional journey. But anyway, uh, what else am I reading? I am finishing The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson, and I will start her latest release, Cast. 
I know I've shared these titles with y'all before, and yes, I'm still reading them. Born <laughs> <laughs> of Other Sons is a tome at rock 600 pages. It is incredibly well-researched. It is so well-written. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, just plugging along, uh, which means <laughs> my TBR continues to grow. So, Shandy, <laughs> what are you reading? <laughs> um, let's see. I just finished A House is a Body by Shruti Swami. Um, I used to read a ton of short stories by female authors. Like it was, it made up the bulk of what I read for a couple of years there uh, in my twenties. And then I just kind of stopped, but a great story collection is one of the great joys of my reading life. And so I was pretty thrilled to have gotten um, an arc for this one because the buzz around it is, is very robust. It's gotten uh, just yeah. a lot of advanced, advanced praise. And I think it's going to be, I don't know. I just think it's going to be one of the big books of the year. Um, I finished the, the book in the car right around San Luis Obispo um, and it was, it was fabulous. It's, um, it's full of these really multi-layered stories, you know, love and loss. And they're set in India and America and, and parenthood is a common theme as well. So um, that it's, it's a heck of a book. And if you are into short stories, I, I recommend picking that up when it comes out. Um, yeah. Very. It's gotten a lot of buzz. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it's, well, I hate to jinx it, but I was going to say, I, I, I feel like it's going to make our friend Chris, uh, our friend Chris's top 20 books of the year list. But every time I tell him that he's like, stop jinxing it. If you tell me their book is going to be on my top 20, it's probably not going to end up my top, my top 20. So <laughs> maybe he won't listen to this podcast episode and it'll, it'll end up there. We'll have to, we'll have to see. Um, so let's see. I also have, um, speaking of, of NetGalley and advanced reading copies, I have a lot that I need to read and review. Uh, I should not be reading anything else right now. And yet I am definitely reading other things. Fortunately, I do have some really awesome ones. Um, the second book in Beverly Jenkins, Women Who Dare series, which started with Rebel. Um, the second one is called Wild Rain and the heroine is wearing pants on the cover of a historical romance. And I'm so excited. I just started it last night and I just keep flipping back to the cover and like showing it to Joe and talking about how amazing it is. Um, it. So yeah, uh, I am also probably likely to acquire some new books because uh, my awesome mother-in-law, hi Rita, um, gave me a nice cash gift for my birthday to spend at the black owned bookstore of my choice. And there are several in Los Angeles um, where I'm going to be, you know, adjacent to for the next three weeks. So I'm really excited to check out one of those bookstores. Um, there's one called Reparations Club. That sounds amazing. It's owned by a queer black woman. Um, they're online only now, so I won't be able to go there and browse. So I may try um, SO1, for, which does appear to be open for browsing. And that's a very famous bookstore. Um, it's ta Coates' favorite bookstore in America. Um, SO1 means water over rocks in Amharic, which is spoken in Ethiopia. And it's a reference to knowledge flowing through books the way water flows over rocks. So uh, I'm pretty excited to check that place out. I don't know what I will buy because I don't know if they carry romance, but I'm sure I will find something. Perhaps the new N.K. Jemison. Um, and Joe is reading the fifth season. Speaking of N.K. Jemison, Joe is reading the fifth season. So he's starting the Broken Earth trilogy. And I really just couldn't be more excited for him because that's amazing. 
Amazing, amazing um, set of books. And a number of people, present company included, gave me gift cards to the Ripped Bodice for my birthday. Uh, so I'm very excited to go there and spend a lot of, of other people's money. <laughs> Obviously, I need to turn 40 more often. <laughs> expand. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Shannon, and also Rita and, and my dad, Mike. <laughs> You're very well. So books, and then you guys will be hearing about them on the podcast. <laughs> that was the whole point. <laughs> Yay! I want to hear about, to hear about your swag. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, my friends, I think it may be time for us to wind up. Oh, I think it is. So, friends and listeners out there, from all across the world, uh, my podcast, my anchor podcast stats uh, tell me that we have had people listen to this podcast in Lima, Peru, Melbourne, Australia, uh, in Indonesia, Malaysia, Sweden, the UK, Argentina. What am I missing? Anyway, all over the place. Now, of course, the bulk of our listeners are still, you know, our, our family members. But, <laughs> but I'm so thrilled that yeah. folks all across the world have, have stumbled across this podcast. So, um, you know, if, if you're you out so there, listening, give us a shout. And thank you. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for spending this time with us, listening to us ramble. And anybody who's listening out there, you know. Send us an email, comment on one of the library's social media posts or one of our social media posts. You can find me on Instagram at Shandy B. Reads and you can find Shannon on Instagram at. <laughs> I just started. Um, yeah. <laughs> I started um, as the Knitterly Bookworm. <laughs> Such a good handle. Because I knit and I read so there you go, there you go. so it's perfect have you posted anything yet I know I, I know I followed you but have you posted anything yet no I I, I need to take the time to do that so oh. I might consider this work related and go do that I think you should I mean yeah. it, your first your first bookstagram post is a uh, that's not something to take lightly that's something yeah. to, so to I, I will be getting on that um and uh, I think it's important to know that that is, uh, reflects me and it does not reflect. And, um, you know, I don't represent, like, I know that I work at the library, but I don't represent the library's larger opinions. So. That's right. The, the opinions espoused on either of our bookstagrams are not necessarily those of LOPL or even of these, of this podcast, although, you know. It kind of we share we share a lot of brain cells. So. <laughs> so, we tend to agree on most romance related things, except maybe secret babies. But we still got to get that book that book in your hands um, or on your phone rather, so that we can discuss. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there's a few things. There's a few loose ends I need to tidy up by the end yes. of this. So I'll be working on that, but. Thank you, Shannon, for for taking time out of your vacation 
for sharing with us your your vacation spot and what it means to you and your your own love story. And thank you to everyone world our, and our closest friends and family. Thank you so much for spending time with us. It, it, this this podcast means a lot to me. Fairly certain to me. It actually just means a lot to both of us. We've talked about this. Yeah, really <laughs> so, the fact that you are listening and 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 giving us feedback, it means the world to us. So thank you. It really does. That is so true. And we will be back next week because I love this podcast so much that I still want to do it while I'm on vacation. Um, we will be back next week with more chatter perhaps some anecdotes from the ripped bodice uh i sure oh and without a doubt a shanjin or two indeed (laughs) i mean what would a podcast episode be without a shanjin or two (laughs) super boring so thank you all for staying with us During all of those many ramblings through this world of happily ever after. We love you. We appreciate your your listening and we would love to hear from you. So so you know, come find us and talk to us. <laughs> and we will see you all soon. Enjoy the hammock, Shandy. I will. <laughs> Once again, our apologies for the less than perfect audio. Talia, her book mentioned in the princess discussion is the princess trap. We couldn't do this podcast without the help of a few awesome folks. Thank you to Alison Arnold and Anya Woodhouse for being our rocks and our champions. Rick Lyons for giving up, giving giving us this crazy idea in the first place and making us believe we could do it. Chris Barrett for being a national treasure. Chris Myers for good trouble. Noelle Ellison, Amy Grimes, and Todd Mecklen for answering all of our emails and making us look good on social media. Everyone at LOPL has has provided so much encouragement and support like so much Clarity does our credits and corrections thanks to Justin and Joe our only our very own romantic thank you for not being alphas <laughs> and thanks most of all to our book club members and podcast listeners keep us inspired and always searching for the next happily ever after see you next time until then have a good time